2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
3: Deutscher
4: Fußballmeister, FC Bayern, Fußballmeister. <laughs> All right, there. That, that got a bit scorpions at the end. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, then we're doing our job. Which is good. Yeah. Which is good.
4: Group trip to see the Hof in uh, Germany. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> is he playing? He will be. He will be, won't he? It's, it's like Ligabue in Italy. He'll be oh, playing every six months, won't he? Well, who's the, who's oh, the he biggest wants recording artist in Italy?
3: Well, it's it's they all come from the same kind of region. Um, so there's Vasco Rossi. Uh, Ligabue. Who are Ligabue? What was it? No, you... so it's Luciano Ligabue. He's and amazing. He's he's, ba- he's like the Springsteen of Italian oh,
4: yeah. rock music. Oh, oh, yeah. Nicky Bandini introduced me to him. Yeah. I, I,
3: he's fantastic.
5: A barn burner of a Classico just last night um, ended um, as goose eggs, as our American cousins insist on saying. The first nil-nil in a Classico since the 23rd of November 2002. Um, I, I, I pulled the um, the team sheets from the 23rd of November 2002. Some great names in there. They're oh, not yeah? going to be pretty. They're not going to be pretty. Well, Frank- well one of them's not going to be pretty. Uh, Frank- Luis
3: Figo's pretty.
5: Figo's in there. Um, Juan Roman Raquel May's in there. Oh. Yeah. Um, as you guys have mentioned, yeah, Figo. Got a yellow card, Figo. Can't think why. Um, Roberto Carlos. Um, Guti's in there. Anyway, what what do you guys uh, make of the of that game last night? I, I saw that Gareth Bell had a goal disallowed through a VAR. Um, what are the what are the
4: major takeaways? What does this mean? Well, I think it's interesting. You brought up the the one from November two thousand and two because that was a bad Barcelona team. Now this, on paper, is a much better Barcelona team, but they weren't very good last night, and that sort of dysfunction that they've had throughout the season. I kind of thought they would. Put that half to bed, really, with uh, the Clasico because um, they're very strong at home. Because Real Madrid haven't won it in a long time now, and um, in fact, it was it was Real Madrid who, who dominated. It was it was a, a win without goals. They're saying in a lot of Madrid's favours. Right. Portsmouth have a lot of them. <laughs> <they>? My team. <laughs> <laughs> but, Are they really saying that? Yeah, and wow. it was says a lot. I think, I think yeah. partly on, um, the, uh, Real Madrid apparently never say anything about referees. Never. It's not their thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, got, yeah, all the they, bingo they were, card.
5: The bingo cards being filled already.
4: Yeah. They were, <laughs> they were, they were not happy with, uh, VAR for two, uh, fouls that they thought should have been given on, uh, Rafael Varane in the, in, in the penalty box. And, um, Real Madrid had the best of the first half. Uh, they finished the game more strongly as, as well. Um, in midfield, they were loads, loads better than Barcelona. And um, Fede Valverde, who we've brought up a number of times, was was excellent again. Um, but what was interesting, I, I know we started the season when we were talking about Real Madrid, Luke, with you talking about um, this idea of uh, a Zinedine Zidane Part 1 tribute act that yeah. they are un- uncovering. Now, funnily enough, even though you had uh, Valverde... Um, fallemandi in 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 the team it kind of felt a little bit like that all all, all over again but in a good way this time you know right so I, sometimes
5: I, they will bring out the hits
4: and everyone have a lovely time yeah
5: exactly, exactly. That's the point about i, the tribute I think act.
4: i think we're talking bootleg beatles rather than no aces
5: <laughs> and <laughs> okay yeah i, I, I think although well, no aces have had a, a, a had a hit have they? They had a hit, didn't they? What's it called? Um, I'd like to teach the world to sing. They did the Obviously. cover of that? Yeah, they did the cover of that? And so they've they've had chart success that the bootleg Beatles have
4: never enjoyed.
5: The plot <laughs> thickens, but please continue,
4: please continue. <laughs> and um, it, it was interesting though seeing um, Zinedine Zidane using the the four four two that really worked for him in it, in it, in his last spell, mm. and especially at the back end of of in, in the second half of twenty sixteen seventeen, with again. Is go at the, the the tip of the diamond, and he's perfect for a game like this. You know, a number ten mm. that that works that hard. Um, Gareth Bale was not only good; did not only have a goal ruled out for a, a narrow offside.
5: It was it was Mondi who was ruled a
4: judge to be offside. Wasn't yeah, it? before yeah. he played the ball in. That's right. And um, it was it was the fact that Zinedine Zidane, who people tend to forget this now, um, as people have said, Zidane is the reason that 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 Real Madrid want to get rid of Bale and sort of seem to distill it in their own minds to that. The fact that for a lot of his first spell, um, in, until their relationship broke down to, towards the end of it, um, Zidane was the biggest defender of Bale. He always stood up for him um, throughout the injuries, throughout him being in and out of the team, throughout the suspicion hmm. that obviously is blown into something far more public and explicit that he prioritised Wales over Real Madrid. And, what about um, off.
5: Yeah, is he caddied for him?
4: Was that too far? <laughs> well, he did have time off, so we, we, we can't rule it out, can we? But uh, I, th- I think it was interesting to hear um, him come up and after the game, Zidane, and not just say that, um, yeah, well, Bale's in the squad and we need to use him, but actually praise him and and, and say that say that he was excellent. Yeah.
3: Was Casemiro not the best player on the pitch?
4: Oh, I think he was, but
3: which I think in some respects.
4: Yeah, might might kind of lend it's more weight telling. to the theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I th- I think it's interesting to to hear Zidane come out and and, and publicly um, give Bale a, a, a lot of praise. What, what do you make of um,
5: just a, a self indulgent question from me? If you'll forgive me for for a moment, what do you make of um, Luka Jovic now? We we haven't talk talked about him for maybe a couple of months. Um, obviously, a big name, a big money signing, has, hasn't featured much at all. For for Real Madrid and didn't get off the
4: bench last night. And he's had some dreadful luck as well. Yeah. I I think we have to bear that in mind. He was before that extraordinary equaliser they had at Valencia last weekend, where it was Courtois' header batted out by Dominech, and then Mm. Courtois managed to smuggle it through to Benzema, who equalised pretty much the last kick of the game. Mm. Just before that, it looked as if Jovic had got a last minute equaliser but he was he was offside he was he was clearly offside but it just felt like that's the way it's going for him that uh, you know it would have it been a huge feather in his cap to get that late equaliser at Valencia It was a smart enough finish but he just did go a little bit early and it's not really working for him and it's it's difficult because when we did the um, ramble meets with uh, Sebastian Aller actually mm. um, this week which is out now. still available out yesterday yeah it came out yesterday mm. um we we were talking about how that 3 at Frankfurt came together and uh, how it came together under Adi Hütter in, in my view and how they he changed the way that they played from a more circumspect style under Kovac that they put all those 3 Ale, Rebic and Jovic in the team and it clicked and the thing that Ale said is he said well it's it's not just about the coach it's about the fact that the three of us got to know each other hmm. we got to play together and that improved our, our our relationship and the fact that we did have different uh, skill sets. It, it all sort of melded together. And I think if you're looking at a reason why it won't work for for um, Jovic at, at Real Madrid, maybe that's it. Hmm. Maybe he's not going to get that time. Well, I think he isn't going to get that time, is he? Because you look at him and you think, that is a guy who would really benefit from Karen Benzema's service. But it's not about serving him because he's not about Cristiano Ronaldo. So is he no. ever going to get there?
5: <clears throat> what do you what, um, what do you both think that it means? What conclusions can we draw from this game? Um, <clears throat> reference the La Liga title race. Both teams locked on 36 points, five points clear of Sevilla. Um, and I suppose it's kind of just a bit as, as you were, is it?
3: Well, I look at what Zidane has achieved. Remember not so long ago, we were talking about him being on the brink. Um, yeah. And again, this idea that Jose Mourinho might be being lined up to replace him and instead credit to Zidane he's turned this around they're 12 games unbeaten Um, they're level on points with Barcelona at the top Mm. Um, I think in some respects you look at their Champions League form the kind of performances that he's got out of some of the other young players that they've signed be it Rodrigo be it Vinicius um, particularly in, in, in that competition rather than uh, La Liga um, and I think there's more again it's just a reminder that there's more to him um, than simply the fact that he is this facilitator that he is some kind of Galactica whisperer um, that there are nuances to his management when it comes to uh, So
5: I feel with you too
3: <laughs> finding the right position for players finding the right game plan for a particular opponent um, and you know I think some people thought he was a bit of a busted flush that those three Champions League titles while the last one was probably the most impressive of of the three um, he was riding on the back of a a, a wave that Carlo Ancelotti had kind of started and was kind of maintaining the same style of management that Carlo had had at that time and instead in this this second spell it started uh, with its difficulties and I think with the time in the job to assess the players um, yeah, he's beginning to turn it around and show a new look, a fresh face to this Real Madrid side, which, you know, I think um, given it's not as good a team as it was um, two to three years ago, when particularly the superstars who were still there were younger, fresher, still in their prime, um, and it's a different kind of job, I, th- I think, you know, we need to kind of tip our hats a little bit um, to, to Zidane.
5: Would they? I mean, we talk about Real Madrid being a team who judge themselves on their Champions League performance, their European Cup pedigree and tradition. Would they be? more keen to win the league this season do you think
4: yeah and that's what Zidane said right at the end of last season he said the priority for next season is La Liga
3: I think
5: all top managers
4: say
3: that these days though how you can
4: how you can sell that to the club I think is a different question
3: I think all top managers say that because they know because the top five leagues for the most part feel one-sided in that Bayern are going to run away with the Bundesliga I know it's wide open this year Juventus are going to run away with Serie A Man City and Liverpool are going to run away with the Premier League there is a feeling I think that managers when it comes to managing expectation say "Oh, you guys have got it all wrong yeah, you know, thirty-eight game league. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's that's where you really judged about how good you are.
4: But they're in a totally <coughs> different boat, aren't they? One because they're in a league with Barcelona, and two because they've <laughs> won the league twice in eleven years. Yeah, which is absolutely feeble for a, a club of those dimensions. I get Dandy that. Andy Brussels throwing big sticks around. Feeble. Well,
5: it is.
3: I get that. Yeah, fair, fair. I get that. But Ernesto Valverde, for rightly or wrongly, and don't judge anything on social media, is 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 considered. A failure or not good enough for Barcelona because he only does it in the league mm. you know ultimately he is judged not on the league titles that he keeps delivering for Barcelona but the fact that they keep going out in the quarterfinals. finals you, James and,
5: you've traditionally been as far as I remember strong on this in terms of you think the league, winning the league, it shouldn't be considered just to be, oh yeah, we was knocked no. that off. And, and of course, Juventus are going to win the league. What, you, what you've always said is it's actually quite hard. Yeah. And it's less luck at play, if you like, than than in a European competition or an international competition.
3: I think it's still hard to maintain standards and go again. Um, and I think particularly for teams that are now on very long winning streaks, and yeah, Juventus are one of them, um, it should not be overlooked that they have been challenged and seriously challenged mm. in, I'd say, three or four of those. Mm. But at the same time, it becomes easier for them to maintain um, that uh, those standards because of the wealth that they're amassing. Mm. And again, this is you know, one of the things that's been remarked upon about the last 16 of the Champions League and how every single team in it is from um, the... Top five leagues. Mm. Um, in some respects, that that only helps enable that further. Um, but I do stand by that point. I still think um, we should, when a team wins a league title, we should recognise it as a hell of an achievement.
0: In FC Schalke FC Schalke UEFA
4: Pokal
5: Okay, we. I, I've not been able to move for um, more than a handful of Tottenham Hotspur fans listing themselves as delighted that they've drawn Leipzig in the Champions League knockout phase uh, this season. Um, talk of it being the best draw they could have got. They're very happy about it, take it all day long, etc. Now, I don't have a lack of sympathy for that viewpoint, but Andy Brassell should they be a little bit more wary than that?
4: Yes, they should be, and I think the biggest question around that before we get to this week's Leipzig game, yes, is we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah, is I think the coaching element of it is absolutely fascinating because um, Leipzig having improved this season is a direct result of Julian Nagelsmann being in charge. Um, he's still putting his print. On, on the on the team and on the club. Um because it's a very stable environment. They've got um a very um established way of of, of doing things and they've hoped that he will add a little something to that. And I I, th- I think he has already and I think he'll he'll, he'll add more. Um I, I think and I, I wrote actually earlier this week um this is a huge test for Jose Mourinho, I think on a on a on a personal level because um, if you look at the last couple of big knockout games he's faced, the big the last few big knockout games of consequence that he's faced in the Champions League, um, we know he's got an incredible history in the in, in the Champions League and we know he'll always be a part of Champions League history. But that's kind of what it's felt like uh, mm. the, the last couple of times. Um, I think you look at how they went out um, to Sevilla with United, how they went out to a 10-man Paris Saint-Germain with... Chelsea.
3: What about Leipzig's football heritage? Is that what you're about to
4: bring up, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's something notable. Hmm. And you look at the coaches that out coached him in those games Vincenzo Montello, who barely lasted.
3: Careful, four Andy. Miles. Yeah. Careful.
4: The aeroplane? You took that man's <laughs> name vote in this studio in front of me and James Horncastle. I'm keeping He going. knows how to wear a turtleneck. am <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping... Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't know how, how to win El Gran Darby, though, does yeah. it? Wow. Uh, I mean, basically, they got outcoached by Montella, who's in the middle of a disastrous spell with yeah. Sevilla. Copa del Rey final. <laughs> uh, <and> then, <laughs> carry on, no, carry on, Andy, carry on, carry on. And then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we won't even talk about what happened in the final. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and before that, Laurent Blanc, who's no I- nobody's idea well, of, a, of a tactical genius, <laughs> no, agree. And so, uh, basically, we talked about this in terms of the the staff that Mourinho's get, got around himself at Spurs. The fact that he's he's not got the old band back together. That he's got in mm. Joao Sacramento, who's a young tactician to to work with him. The idea that he does need to rethink and and have new ideas. And and this is apparent here. Of course, Nagel's man is still learning his way in the Champions League. But he got to do a lot of that in last year with, with Hoffenheim. And they played very well whilst making the sort of mistakes that make sure you don't get through. But I think seeing him work stuff out in the group stage was was quite interesting. They had some bad situations to 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 get out of. They had to sort their home form in order to take control of the group. And they've sorted their home form in Europe and in the league. And then they were 2-0 down to Benfica in the 90th minute. And they managed to keep going and get a draw out of that. Mm. So they could qualify in in the first place. There's really interesting versatility to this side. And that's what he's given Leipzig. It's interesting when you you spoke to uh, Timo Werner, in the second season that the Leipzig were up, of course they had a brilliant first season in in the top flight in in 1617. Now, now in the fourth season in the top flight, um, that, that, you know they played one way, they, they they pressed and they counterattacked, and now in the second season, Timo Werner was saying. Well, we're having difficulty because other teams are giving us the ball, mm. and we don't really know how to deal with that. Mm. And you could argue that Dortmund ne- kept giving they never them the really, ball in <laughs> yeah. they never really worked that out. Well, well it, it ended up suiting Leipzig quite well because they had less possession, because, which is exactly what that they wanted. But we'll, we'll come to yeah, that. Can, in a minute. Can, I, can I? Can I? I think what's yeah, look, yeah. before you do. I think what's interesting about Nagel's man and what he's managed to add to them is he converted Hoffenheim into a team that were able to master loads of different ways of playing. And he's already started to do that with Leipzig without changing too much. Yes, they still press, and They did that in the early stages of the, the Dortmund game. They can sit off and they can recover. They can take possession of the ball and boss the game. And that's something that they've managed to do in a few short months under Nagelsmann. I think the interesting question is where they're going to be in February because we always talk about when this draw comes out, you know, what could happen in terms of injury, in terms of form. I think you look at Leipzig and they've got quite a margin of progression and because Germany has quite a substantial winter break, he's got time to actually take a breather, assess and get back on the training field with them, which, you know, a lot of a lot of coaches don't have the chance to do. And English teams won't have the chance to do.
3: Andy, you've overlooked the greatest piece of coaching that Julian Nagelsmann has done up until now. Mm. It's regenerate the original goal bay from OTC. Yeah. Patrick Schick. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he was the original goal
3: Involved way. in four goals in his last four games. I can't tell you how delighted I am to <laughs> see Schick again on fire.
4: I'll tell you what, no one is overlooking that, James. And uh, like, A few people were complaining, actually. When the team sheets came out, um, of Westfalen that Schick had been left out the, the team, and we're not I was doing this now them. because I want to ask.
5: We're going to do it in a minute. We're going to do it okay. in a minute because the reason I picked out Spurs v Leipzig in this draw is be, not just because I wanted to have a thinly veiled dig at some Spurs fans that I know. <laughs> I'm, not above, I'm not above that, <laughs> but because it truly is the most fascinating of the, of the draw, and it's and, really balanced. And I'll tell really you why. Balanced. Why I feel it is: Jose Mourinho has gone through a a diminuendo in his career to the point of where a year or so ago, he's being linked with going to China. I mean, it is, you know, well, yeah, a bit of disrespect to China there. Jose Mourinho is one of the, is one of the most decorated. the
3: ramble off the internet there. I
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, exactly. I think we
5: might have broken fallen and found that a few times in the past. Um, but we've gone from one of the most venerable managers in Europe, and you've already talked a bit about his history, to, as you also said, the history man, right? He's coming up against an, an, an upwardly mobile, exciting, precise European coach of the generation below him now. And it will be the Ali versus Foreman aspect of this tie is a fascinating one because he yes. can he, he's made moves towards reinventing himself. You guys said to me when he took the Spurs job, look at the people he's hired around him. Look at what he's looking to do. Look at how willing he is to, seems to be to change. And we've seen in these early mom, moments in his Spurs um, tenure that they're not doing necessarily what I particularly thought they would do. They're not kind of just shoring up with the fence, keeping clean sheets and, and playing yeah, One and clean sheet. Yeah, they can't keep any clean sheets. Yeah. So something definitely has changed. Mm. The question is, can he do it against a Leipzig
3: with a very precise coach in, in Julian Nagelsmann? I think Leipzig... Leipzig. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be yeah. good. I think, look, it's only four years ago that they were in Bundesliga 2. Um, mm. which, you know, regardless of the resource that they have is is extraordinary, but I'm pointing that out because of the experience. Mm. Um, yeah, I think experience in these games matters. Um, and, you know, Spurs have got better and better in the Champions League um, over the last two or three years, obviously getting to the final last year. Um, I think Andy makes a very good point about that uh, opportunity the Bundesliga affords managers to re- um, spend the winter uh, regenerating and reassessing what you've done over the last three or four months it's something that won't be afforded to Jose Mourinho who will have a very congested fixture period yeah. um, through um, December through Christmas and into the new year and that while it hasn't stood in the way um, of Premier League teams in Europe over the last few years as we've seen last year before getting to you know the two European finals um, I think it is something to maybe consider when you look at the style with which this Leipzig side um play. Um and at the moment, you know, a lot might might change in a couple of months. Um and that's true of all these ties. Um I expect Spurs to get better at defending um than yeah. they are now. I'd agree with um, that. Um well, can't
4: get much worse, can they? <laughs> no.
3: Well so yeah, I th- I th- this is a really fascinating um tie. I think there are there are lots. I don't think there's a bad tie in this could, round of well, 16, which again is more reason for the European Super League. On on <laughs> well, we're not going to go down that road.
2: So,
3: <laughs> on, on that
5: though, which of the other Champions League ties and uh, you know what, grab one each between the Champions League and the Europa League of, of ties outside
4: of the Spurs Leipzig tie um that, that stand out for you? Um I think maybe Dortmund versus Paris Saint-Germain is, is, is pretty interesting. Um, I, I I have Paris Saint-Germain as, as as favorites for that. Um, but you know, there's a lot of pressure on them, isn't there? Because even Mm. against a team like Dortmund, who do have excellent champions league experience, who have a coach whose mentality and philosophy is really built for champions league knockout football. Um, against their former coach, and there's still that feeling, isn't there, between Thomas Tuchel and and, and Borussia Dortmund to an extent. And especially after the way they went out last season, especially after the way that the um, aftermath of that is still felt, the aftermath of going out to Manchester United is still felt because Thomas Tuchel is not as close to his players as, as he was. And a lot of people feel that is because he kind of hung the players out to dry a bit after the Manchester United game. Now, on seeing that second leg, I think <laughs> fair enough. Mm, yeah. uh, I mean, they they turned up expecting to win. I don't think it was a case of um, you know Paris Saint-Germain getting nervous in in the latter stages of the Champions League as as they have so many other times. Like that was a, bit, it was a bit of a
5: lightning strike of a game, wasn't it? It's was kind of a bit of a well, wow, That doesn't happen very often. Type yeah. Thing.
4: But I, the, the, there seems to be quite a lot of ill feeling around the fact that on well, the other two every season. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But, but but it's it's not the result; it's the manner, isn't it? Yes. And that's yeah, always that's, that's I mean. always the case in the in, in the Champions League. And yeah, I, th- I think the, the the way that Tuchel sort of came out and said, "Well, you know, as you say, this has happened to to PSG before. You can't really pin it on me, can you?" Mm. And the players were like, "All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're not mates. Yeah. And um, you know, I think I think that has made." A lasting difference. Having said that, they're largely, give or take, the game at Real Madrid, very, very impressive in the group stages. Now, group stages, um, knockouts, chalk and cheese. Yes. But, I I would make them marginal favourites. They do have an enormous amount to prove against a a Dortmund team who've got a lot of attacking weapons. Dortmund showed
5: a a decent... I was at the game against Spurs... They ended up losing three 0 I think it was, and and mm. Spurs blew them away in one particular half of the game. I think the second half, yes. and they were very naive. They, they 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 were great to watch. Dortmund exciting, played nice football.
4: I'd have tightened up now.
5: Yeah, well, yeah, right. They're, they're very naive. So, I mean, they're not going to get away that kind of naivety against PSG either. James, presumably you want to talk about Arsene versus Lask in the Europa League. Um just give don't us want to talk about
3: there. any of those Europa League
5: talks, <laughs> Because the Europa be League fair. is unique as a competition that doesn't actually get going to the semi-final. I mean, is, is there any other tournament you can think of I that
3: doesn't get going to the semi-final? I love the randomness of that competition. I know it's one that... We've got
5: a third one coming as well. Well, and this is the thing. Let's make some more of them. People <laughs> like them.
3: Let's have some more of them. I mean, them. they're really focus-grouped. The name didn't they let's call it the UEFA conference yeah. do you know what the conference is or, or historically is in yeah. the UK
4: I yeah. mean come on it's a name that people miss in football circles yeah. since it's yeah. become the National League that's what it is I yeah. mean
3: look the tie that I look at and we've touched upon this earlier in the show is, is Real Madrid Man City um, yeah because
5: Man City wanted to test themselves against Real Madrid in the group stage didn't they say <laughs> well, they're, they're going to test themselves now
3: <laughs> I mean for all the obvious reasons there I mean be it Pep coming up against Madrid again. Mm. Um, Zidane and how this team seems to be um, entering a second phase uh, under him. Uh, and, you know, as Andy was just saying, uh, I, th- I felt that the, the game at the Bernabeu between Real Madrid and PSG was probably the game that was played at the highest standard um, throughout the group stages in terms of technique at speed. Um, I don't think there was anything that came close to it. Mm. Um, over, what, the first four months of the Champions League. And that kind of persuaded me that Madrid, while they don't have the same aura as they did um, a couple of years ago, they're still a team to be taken very, very seriously.
5: Will it be a good litmus test for the the um, chat that Guardiola's star is starting to fade at Man City?
3: Well... <laughs> Look, uh, seeing where they are, the champions. Uh, seeing where they are in the Premier League, it's clear that the Champions League is now even more um, important to them, uh, more important than uh, you know when we've always seemed to have kind of thrust upon Pep and City that the reason he was appointed was to deliver Champions League success. Um, and given the growing sense that this could be his last season. Um, uh, at the Etihad then yes I think these games do take on an ulterior importance I think it's going to it's going to be really interesting to see how they manage that kind of pressure um, and and whether they can live up to what we've seen in the Premier League and actually translate that into Mm. the Champions League
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
5: All right, finally, the boys are off the leash. You can talk about Dortmund v. Leipzig now. I'll just take a little break. Shocking, yeah. Go make a cup of tea. Um, (laughs) I called it a barn burner in my notes. A barn burner is a boxing term. Um, but You're, I think... you
4: also called uh, El Clasico a barn burner in your intro did I? yeah oh but I was being sarcastic then wasn't I?
3: I mean, I, I hadn't heard that term before, so I'm all for hearing oh, yeah. it multiple times in this, uh, in this episode. The worrying thing it's, is,
5: I make so many podcast episodes, I didn't even remember saying that. It
4: yeah, makes me so. think of the Wicker Man, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's,
5: it's, I, I think it's a boxing term. It comes from when, you know, it's a point in a boxing match where the, the fight catches fire, and yeah. everyone just goes for it, people just yeah. go for it, and everyone's a barn burner. That's I think that's where it comes from. Um, this game was, not sarcastic. sarcasm aside, <laughs> an absolute <laughs> bomb burner, in the middle of Germany's English week, which I love, they Call it an English week. Okay. Um, it finished three-three. Jaden Sancho scored for his seventh game in a row, but he did go off injured, I believe. I don't think it's anything serious, but yeah, it's just, off. A,
4: just a little minor one. This is this is is this set to be? I mean, is is it just the fact that this was a great game, or is it set to be a defining moment in the Bundesliga season? Um, it could be, and um, I think it's certainly defining in terms of um, <laughs> Bayern having genuine challenges, and um, hmm. I, I think. Funnily enough, in in the night, it was the, the whole thing was a bit of a, a, a paradox. But you were like. at the game, weren't you? Henry? Yeah, yeah. Talk us through but what the atmosphere was like, for example. It was it was it was pretty special. It always is at Westfalen, but on the other hand, there's just this little simmering thing between Dortmund and Leipzig because Dortmund see themselves as. The, the, the guardians of the purity of the football experience. And they're, they're, <laughs> therefore, they they despise Leipzig, Yeah, really. So there's a bit um, of extra spice. Yeah, th- there always has been. I mean, I went to the, the, the first um, time they played at, at Westfalen, which was in February 2017. And that was the one where there were hundreds and hundreds of banners telling Leipzig and telling Red Bull where to go. Mm. And there was a bit more nasty stuff outside the, the ground. Now, the, the fact is that the DFB couldn't do anything about the stuff outside the ground because that doesn't fall under the club's responsibility. So what they did is they fined them a hundred grand for the banners, Right. <laughs> and um, closed uh, the Sioux Tribunal, where the, the Gelbovand is, for, mm. for for a game, a uh, subsequent game against Wolfsburg. And um, yeah, there's... there's the. the the dislike hasn't really gone away, but just the, um, I, I guess the the, the over expression of it has been toned down a, a, a little bit. But th- there is still that edge. Um, mm. Leipzig were booed onto the pitch and, and, and booed off it and booed back on when they came on uh, in, in, the, in the second half. It's weird because there wasn't a single booking in the game. So did it not translate to the pitch itself? No. Well, I, I think in terms of the football, there's, there's no time to foul anyone. That, yeah. You know, they, they, they play with such intensity and uh, and pace, both of them. And I think the, the paradox of it really was the fact that on one hand, both teams showed the quality they have and why they should be title contenders right to the end. And they both showed a lot of reasons why Bayern are going to win the league all over again. Right, okay. Uh, because I think as Dortmund, you walk away from that game and I, I said it in my my Guardian piece today, how you recover really from playing a game of that quality, especially in the first half in which Dortmund were absolutely sensational against the team that arrived as league leaders. And you come away from that game having not won it. Then again, Julian Nagelsmann was talking at the end about, yeah, it's a a point gained, it feels like a victory. But he's realistic enough to know, and he was realistic enough to say explicitly that you can't play like that in a a, a match that big. Mm. Leipzig walked away from that, and Nagel's man walked away from that, knowing that they should have really lost three or four nil. And what changed the game was the bit at the end of... uh, the, the beginning of the second half um, where your your pal Roman Berkey had, had his moment. And the incredible thing is right at the end of the first half having had absolutely nothing to do all game he had to make two saves in in, in quick succession which he did brilliantly from mm-hmm. uh, Paulson and Timo Verna, And then he came out for the second half and what 65 seconds into it straight ball he comes out to head it clear heads it straight to Timo Werner who rolls it in. And then after five minutes after that, Julian Brandt, who scored one of the goals of the season in the first half after being set up by Sancho, doing an incredible spin by Deo, uh, around Deo Apumicano, Who had a great best, game, by the way. Yeah, and who's one of the best defenders in the league. He's, he
5: looks brilliant. I know it's a weird thing to say against a team who's called three goals against him. He looks
4: fantastic. No, he's, he's outstanding. And yeah. like a, a, a lot of playmakers, like, uh, like a lot of defenders like that, he's, he's almost a... A, a primary playmaker yeah. as well. There's he did so well under Chris, Chris, Chris Wilder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, of course, Arsenal were really interested in Up and Meccano last summer, but they thought 80 million is too steep we'll spend it on a Ford we don't need yeah. instead. And probably Apple McConnell got on the flight, flew over North London, saw the Emirates almost on fire. So I'm not going anywhere <laughs> near that. Yeah, that was, that yeah. was, that was, yeah. That was probably um, it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was extraordinary because Brandt having scored that magnificent goal, then gifted Werner a second. Now after that, they still managed to come back and take the lead but, I, I, again, I said in my piece, beating Leipzig once is hard enough. I mean, they essentially set themselves the task of doing it three times, hmm. which proved a little bit too much.
5: It looked like the, yeah, the, 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 an aspect of the second half that you referenced, that the game
3: was completely out of control.
5: That yeah, was, I mean, it was crazy.
3: Dortmund set up five of the six goals. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't have a pop at Roman Burke anymore, because I don't know if you remember, I had an ill-advised uh, side swiper Gigi Buffon And uh, Horncastle went on a massive rant, sat in that chair there. He said, there's an (laughs) element to this show that certain people only watch certain players (laughs) in Champions League weeks. And that's a problem. And that is a problem. You said that to me.
3: Did you see what Gigi did yesterday? Go on. 647th appearance in Serie A. Matched Paolo Maldini's record. All-time appearance leader in Italian football.
4: What's the GG. Yeah, good on you. Keep can, doing it. We actually can't mention goalkeepers without going on to Buffon. No, we can't. Do,
5: no. We, we can go on to Italy now, actually, but before we do, is there any any word from Sancho? It's just, I mean, he's having a great period of form off the back of getting quite a lot of criticism. Now he's hobbled off with an injury. What do we expect to be the next few weeks? For like? Uh, what's
4: that going to be like for Jaden? Well, if, of, of course, he's going to have a bit of a rest. Um, which I, I think is is Ideal. useful, and you look at his form is is it's absolutely extraordinary. I think what's the most interesting thing about it is how much he's he, he's talked about how how much he enjoys playing with the players around him. So you know all this um, stuff over timekeeping was made up in, into very quickly. He's definitely going to leave in January. He's definitely going to leave in January. I've always said that it's more likely that he will leave at the end of the season and he will leave at the end of the season because firstly, I think for a practicality level, piecing together a deal that big in January is very, very difficult. But secondly, what we've seen in recent weeks, he absolutely loves playing at Dortmund. Yeah. And he loves playing not just with Marco Royce, but Torgen Hazard now. He loves it. and when That was a he... front three against Leipzig. Wasn't yeah. It? And yeah. when it, when he talks after games, he's very, very keen to get across how much he's enjoying himself. And, you know, he, he knows he's going to be going somewhere else in the future, but there's no point wishing wishing your life away that quickly. I mean, he's still only 19. And I think sometimes when judgments have been made of him and his apparent conduct, people forget that. Because he's such a titan on the pitch, people forget he's 19 and he's mm. entitled to do some stupid stuff.
0: He's just he's super sympathetic, he's a very, very good... Mensch und Fußballer. Und ich freue mich, dass er heute bei mir in der Sendung ist, Jaden. Herzlich willkommen. Hallo,
5: Nobi. Wie geht's? I feel good. <laughs> da, 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 da. James, you've been speaking to Max Allegri.
3: Yeah, that's why I was away. Yeah,
5: last what was week, it, a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> last week was oh, it? week before last, maybe. Can't yeah, remember. You... It's all a blur in this Christmas period. You interview Max Allegri, a man who is very much in demand but currently out of work as a coach.
3: Well, he's still being paid by Juventus. And I think this is actually something that's quite important to, um, again, highlight um, when we discuss managers who've been sacked or moved on from. Yeah. Um, for example, like Carlo Ancelotti at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you know, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, probably by the time this goes out, will be the Everton manager. Mm. Um, but um, it comes down to, again, negotiating... With the club that has just sacked you to release the contract that you're still on, yeah, and uh, Max is still being paid by Juventus. Um, they felt it was kind of a, a nice gesture, actually, to just honour the work that he did, did to pay out the remainder of his contract.
4: Whereas, if which... it was any other Serie A club, you'd be thinking they'll fire their manager in three weeks and bring him back. Well, yeah.
3: <laughs> no, true.
5: Yeah. So, what, so give us a flavour of. I mean, you did. You had a long form one on one interview with Max Allegri. Give us a flavour of kind of type of character he is, what it was like, what you were talking about and all the rest of it.
3: Uh, he's a great guy to be around. Um, yeah. I mean, he he came in and just wanted to chat. He didn't want to be interviewed. He wanted to just talk about football um, and he put no kind of restrictions on, on what we we could ask him. And this is kind of who Max is because he... He loves nothing more than life outside of football, Hmm. um, because I think he feels that you learn a lot from that, which you can then apply to football, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately a game about managing twenty-three human beings. Um, And you tend to, you know, if you're at the bar with your mates or you're, you know, over dinner, sharing sharing ideas, talking about what's going on in their lives, you can then kind of you're you're really better placed. What's going on in your life? (laughs) All kinds of stuff, mate. It's yeah. a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, he, he just wanted to talk about football. He was... Um He's got some quite divisive views, I would say. Well, I'm um, careful. Well, no, in, in, in this in, day and age, in Italy, where in Italy, Isn't ta- he strangely, against tactics, tactics are king in Italy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and he rails against uh, theorists, scientists. There's an element of um, Jose Mourinho talking about football Einsteins in 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 Max's kind of outlook on the game, which is we are overcomplicating it. Um, yeah, he he particularly, for example, took issue with the league, Cydia, I've got a lot of issues, <laughs> um, who are introducing tablets. You know, you can take an iPad onto the, onto the into the dugout. We've got this uh, app like that... NFL, can, basically. Yeah, we've got this app that you can download. And, and Allegri just thinks that is just football going completely the wrong direction. That football is about touch, feel, sensibility. Um, that there's a lot that... Um, for all the will in the world and you know all the effort made and how good a lot of these algorithms are and etc. And, uh, and the data that is now delivered onto your desk as a top flight manager by your performance analysis, analysis team, nothing beats the eye. Nothing beats your ability to get inside the head of a player. Um, and again, one of the things he said, uh, not just to me, but Rory Smith from the New York Times who was there, was that... You know, one of the biggest loads of BS he hears is, uh, you know, managers should watch the game from the stands. You know, in some respects, when they are suspended, um, yeah, you know, some people claim that it is better for them to have that viewpoint mm. uh, rather than from the dugout. And he was like, "That is codswallop." Because A
5: thinly of- veiled dig at Michael Cox there from Joe <laughs> Horncastle. <laughs> no, um, no but- at Christmas of all times yeah. of but, year, but- unreal. He,
3: he is, he is, he is saying <laughs> that uh, you know he. Wants to be in a position where he can look a player in the face mm. and tell whether he is uh, what he's going through at that moment in particular game. Mm-hmm. Um, even just to hear the sound of uh, uh, the sounds of the pitch and get a re- and judge the mood of a game, and that is um, as important as any of the kind of. Tactical thinking, um, strategy. I mean, I think we all break down. We break down games now in terms of like, oh, this strategy. This is mm. what won the game, mm. and we lose. We we lose sight of the human element, mm. um, and sometimes the randomness of of football, which cannot be completely controlled. It's,
5: it's an interesting, really interesting um, scene to mine that because. People are very polarized on it. Mm. You get people who um, who are really into analysis, tactics, shape, all that kind of thing, who will be openly quite derisive of this in quotes proper football men.
4: Well, so you can't like you can't have a combination of the, and I, and, the and, two and things. And it happens, Is that vice, vice
5: and it's and vice versa as well. They kind of the, you know your Tim. It's probably a poor example, but your Tim Sherpers of the world probably are very mistrusting of these new developments. When clearly the answer is probably a bit of a bit of both does, does you well. The eye test is really important for a coach when he wants to see if he wants to work with a player, for example. But of course, data is obviously of of great use as well.
3: Also, what I th- as a journalist, what I think it it reflects is that we tend to analyse um, games in this manner because that is uh, the information that is made available to us. Mm. We don't know um what goes on in training you know the best regardless of how good our sources are we don't know what a player is necessarily going through you saw i think in the daily mail um, there was the interview with Jesse Lingard. Correct, yeah. Um, yeah. The other day, and it, it went into some of the, the issues that he's had off the pitch in looking after his family. We don't know all of these things. And so, what we, what we do know is we get, you know, Opta will give us uh, data. You can go to all these other analytics sites and take out subscriptions with, with StatsBomb or be it with Y Scout and find out all this kind of stuff, which helps, gives us the information that actually you know informs us on some of the thinking behind uh, a coach's choices, how they went into a game, how they planned for it. Uh, and that information is more readily available than a lot of the kind of human side, which I suppose managers interface with on a daily basis. Mm. And, that, and, and that's what informs their choices as much as what their performance analysts are giving them, performance analysts from a statistical point of view rather than from a physical fitness point of view. Mm. Um, and yeah again, one of the things one of the things I actually start the piece with this is is Allegri is is uh, very passionate about horse racing mm. uh, and and believes he's learned a lot uh, by going to the race course over the years his grandfather used I know to take a few it. other
5: managers have used that <laughs> <a few. laughs> no,
3: but and, and he was like he was saying that you should always uh, one of the greatest uh horse trainers in Italian history um, was a guy called Federico Tesio who basically said, you know, I judge things by I, I, I get up in the morning, I go down to the stables, I walk the horses through the paddock and I see how the legs are moving. Mm. And that's how I judge how, whether the, the horse is, is in a good place or not, whether it's in good nick or not. And that's what I do in training. I look, mm. at, the, I look, at, I look at the player's legs and how they move. And then when I go back into my office and the training facility, I see if what I, I've seen is, is reflected in the, in, the, in the physical and performance data. There, um, and I tell myself, I t- tell all my assistants: watch the players first, then go and look at the computer.
5: Right. Will Will he Will he be looking at um, a group of young men's legs anytime <laughs> soon, James? <laughs> or is he Well, n- look, I, I, think, I think the issue.
3: I think the issue for for Allegri is, you know, we, and, and as journalists, we have a responsibility to this, and also I think anyone on social media um, does as well. When yeah, you know, it's it's easier to make a case for someone when they have. A brand around them, which you know, you look at, for example, for example, Sadi with Sadiismar, you know, it goes into the dictionary. People in social media talk about Sadi ball. He'd never called his football Sadi ball, and and it creates an idea. It really kind of captures the imagination. Like
5: the Gegen press as well, Gegen pressing, tick, and all, all these all, all these, these
3: concepts concept, um, that that are, I suppose, indicative of some kind of innovation that the game is moving forward, and they are mm-hmm. part of the game moving forward. Whereas Allegri is like, it's a simple game win your tackles, win your headers um, and judge your players for what they are. Um, Change with that. You know, I I can only do, you know, I can can only come up with a certain style and game plan depending on the characteristics of the players that are available to me. And that's one of the things that I think is a great string in Allegri's bow is that he is someone who is able to rebuild Um, teams you know you look at Juventus over the last five years they've always tended to sell two or three of their key players every summer and he's had to basically start again from scratch Mm. there's no style that he can impose on a team or a club that does that because ultimately you have to rip it up and start again every summer but how do you sell that how do you how do you go to a, a, an audience, um, say on yeah, to be it to journalists, be it to social media, and basically say this this is this is how this is the realistic point of view. This is the real politic of management. Um, they never
5: really held Ancelotti back, though.
3: No, it, it hasn't, and that's the thing. You can point to probably because he's won. won,
5: but he's won champ. I mean, Allegri's lost two Champions League finals, I guess, but he's got
3: to two Champions League finals, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, even though and, and people look at. Uh, Juventus and, and what they've done in the league even though they are overmatched financially compared with what they're outside the top 10 in the rich list in in, in European football going by Deloitte in terms of mm-hmm. revenue and that's even when they've they've signed the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo so to get to those two Champions League finals particularly the first one when no one expected them to get that far um, because they had gone out in the group stage the previous season under Antonio Conte um, I mean i I've mentioned Conte just in passing. There, it's amazing how different these two characters are. Because mm. Conte Conte really feels that it's insulting and humiliating to the profession when coaches like Allegri, for example, they stand by this mantra, which the best managers are the ones that do the least damage. Mm. They put they put players in the right conditions to thrive, and then they let, let them get on with it. And then they let them get on with it. Conte is all about. Almost overwhelming you with information and instruction, so that if you find yourself in a, in a position where you don't, all of a sudden, a defender has worked you out, you have something, you have a solution to basically cause that defender another problem. And uh, Allegri is all about, uh, I think this is actually valid not just in football, but in life in general. Is that yeah, if we want an answer to something these days, we just go to Google. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, there's an app for everything, you know, and, and we rely on our brains less and less. Yeah. And he wants he wants to do less teaching and more learning. He wants to stimulate players to learn well, we've how to get out of situations, overcome certain obstacles, which I think is actually a really a really interesting way of looking at that. Not just that job, but any job.
5: We've evolved not to need to retain information anymore mm. because we can just go and find it. Yeah. So, and the other, the other big story in, in Italy, of course, is Seri are apologising after imagery of chimpanzees were used in artwork, you know, supposedly to 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 uh, be an anti-racism message an anti-racism campaign now i think people majority of our listeners are in the uk they would have seen that and, and seen it on its face and be like that's just absolutely ridiculous how can you even get on board what they were thinking there my first question to you james is is, is, is there an aspect of like italian culture or of italian thinking that we, we can't make the connection to because we're british or is this just a really bad tone deaf ill ill-judged kind of move
3: I think it's the latter. okay. And I think, as AC Milan said in the statement they put out reacting to this, Um, it's not only the wrong idea when it comes to putting together an initiative for anti-racism. It's the lack of consultation um, to the stakeholders in the league Hmm. that is a real problem. They just
5: unilaterally did this I didn't speak to any of the clubs or anything like that.
3: Well, apparently not, even though the artist um, Simone Fugazzotto has said that... um, He's a stubborn guy and he went ahead and did this anyway. We should say that Fugazzotto he pretty much only paints chimpanzees. Right, okay. And so the league knew what it was getting into uh, and must have known, well, they clearly didn't, but they should have known how problematic um, collaborating with an artist whose muse, if you like, are chimpanzees Mm. for an anti-racism initiative. And I think that is the problem and the league has subsequently come out. I mean, it sounds like a piss take. They have apologised for uh, any offence caused uh, and they've kind of thrown the artist under the bus. Right. When the the artist did not come to them and basically Mm. say, guys, I do this, I think it's a really good idea for an anti-racism initiative. Mm. They approached him. Uh, And I think that gives you so little confidence in the league's ability to take this uh, issue seriously because it is killing Serie A. Um, it's, it's absolutely, I think it's turning people off the league in a way that no other issue is. Um, and they need to get a serious grip of it. I'm aware that um, there are um, a handful of clubs, but particularly two AS Roma and AC Milan, yeah. who um, feel that they need to take this into their own hands. Yeah, okay. Um, because there is so little faith in the league's ability to get a grip of this issue. Um, and they feel that they need, uh, and they have taken action. You see it with Cordillera della Sport, how they banned them until the end of the year after the Black Friday headline. Um, you saw how Roma reacted to the racist abuse that Juan Jesus got on social media by banning that individual uh, for life from coming to uh, Roma Games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are serious about putting together um, a, uh, a protocol, if you like, in terms of prevention and reaction to uh, racist incidents. That's the league's job. And the league yeah. clearly yeah. isn't doing it.
5: Luigi Di uh, um comments are really strange, Basically, particularly in light of what you just said there. I didn't realise that Fugazotto only painted chimpanzees because Di said, I realised it was inappropriate. And then he said... Um, we're working on an official anti-racism campaign which cannot be identified with Simone Fugazoto's work and it will be presented by the end of February. And it's kind of like, well, you knew what artist you were hiring, presumably. Mm. So, I mean, it just sounds to me like he's just trying what, what to faith, absolve himself of responsibility. What
4: faith yeah. does anyone have in there being anything worthwhile at the end of February? If there's this no, level no, of no. understanding now. I mean, going back to what James was saying about people being turned off Serie A a bit, I, I think... Uh, that has huge implications i mean clearly the the main issue is that this sort of approach is is morally repugnant but i think when you look at well we know where the premier league is but you look where um the bundesliga are placing themselves and um, where la liga are placing themselves in terms of international expansion yeah i mean that leaves Seria quite vulnerable. It looks it? very
5: parochial it ends up looking very parochial and, and that's obviously a big concern. But what's of chief concern of course is the fact that, you know, men and women and anyone should be able to go to work mm. without being racially abused. All right. Um Let's do uh, games of the week, guys. Last week, last week, um, Andy, you had Dortmund 3, Leipzig 3. We talked all about that. Um, I had Napoli, Parma, which ended up Napoli 1, Parma 2. It feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, and uh, a late Jovino winner gave Parma their first win in Naples since 2013.
3: Yeah, uh, just to quickly um, look at that, I think this strike partnership if you can call it a partnership between Gervinho and Dejan Kulusevski Kulusevski is the revelation of Serie a this season 19 year old Sweden international Macedonian origin who's on loan from Atalanta um, he looks the business already uh, and I think you see the second goal the winning goal mm. he scores the first one
5: Is Koulibaly at fault for the first or the second?
3: I think first, both first. Manolas and Koulibaly are at fault for the for, for the first goal but Kulusevski outpaces Koulibaly is yeah. quick outmuscles him and then has the composure to finish and then in stoppage time um, he has the presence of mind to just pause for a moment wait for Giovino to get into the right position and he plays the right pass and for a teenager to do mm. that Amazing. on that stage at the Stadio San Paolo mm. is, is really impressive and it kind of explains why um, he is the most sought after talent in Italian football at the moment Twenty twenty 20 goal by his 2020
5: goal yeah nice you had had the um, Genoa derby the the derby de
3: De la lanterna Lanterna. the lantern derby the lighthouse derby
5: Genoa nil, Sampdoria 1 a late Manolo Gabbiadini goal secured it for Samp completing Ranieri's wins in derbies in Turin, Rome and Milan uh, and obviously this one. Um, You're not counting
4: London. <laughs> yeah,
5: Ranieri's quote this week was brilliant From uh, based on the um, Cristiano Ronaldo goal last night. Did you see what he said? I'll uh, really, Well, People who are listening might not have heard it. He said, uh, Cristiano did something you see in the NBA. He was in the air for an hour and a half, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. And if you haven't seen that Ronaldo header, you should definitely seek it out. Yeah.
4: Um, Andy... Yeah, the, actually the headline on the front of one of the Portuguese p- papers is Air Ronaldo. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. What was uh, what's your game of the week this week, mate? Um, it's going to be Betis versus Atletico Madrid because um, Betis have come back into form. Uh, it's over, a purest uh, choice that over recent
5: weeks. There's no goals in the Atletico Madrid games. It's like they've
4: scored, they've scored 18 and conceded 10 all season. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe Betis can can change that. Um, with uh, fakir and Joaquin looking looking good um they're already planning for January and talking of planning for January of course what Atletico need as as you've said Luke is is another striker now yeah. that's sort of gathering pace this week with um the news in France that um, Lyon, with the injuries to uh, Memphis and uh, rain Adelaide that are going to finish their season um yeah. they' they're, they're looking at um Kevin gamero and they're they're looking at uh, Thomas Lamar Online and obviously Atletico would love to get rid of Lamar. Would that
5: yeah. not be embarrassing for them as well, though? Given the fanfare they signed him under and how much he costs them, or they just want to cut their losses? Is, is,
4: is it more embarrassing than keeping around someone who costs seventy two million and is getting booed on and off the pitch so by, they by, 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 by supporters? Well, Simeone's committed to working with him while he's, he's he's there and would like to get more out of him. That's the Kind of guy he is but the fact is if they want to bring in another striker in January even on a loan or a free they haven't got the wages to do it at the moment they're very very close to their salary cap the salary cap in Spain is defined by how much you turn over and and, and how much you bring in um, so if they get Lamars wages off the books then they've got room to to bring in a striker and and, and that's what they're gonna to aim to do. But in the meantime, they'll just have to make do with um Morata and Joao Félix, who's looking better and better and better. Good. All right, good stuff. James?
3: I'm gonna go with Atlanta against Milan. Um mm. because Atlanta lost at the weekend to Bologna. I don't think they deserve to lose. Um they were without Zapata, they've been without Zapata for what feels like an eternity now. Mm. Uh, Ilicic and Papu Gomez, they'll have, I think, Papu back uh, for this one, maybe uh, Ilicic. And Milan, again, they deserve to beat Sassuolo in the game that was held on their 120th anniversary. I don't know if you Mm. saw this, they were a special uh, kit. Um, They uh, renamed a roundabout uh, outside of Casa Milan. Uh, It's the Herbert Kilbin roundabout now. Uh, nice, this, nice, Herbert Kilpin, obviously founded the club, um but yes, Milan need to get something out of this game. um I think the performances have been improved, certainly confidence within the club is that second half of the season won't be as bad as it's been in the first half, but obviously they want to get back into a race to get into european football um and it's games like this that they need points from in order to do that.
5: Great, great choice. Um, Atalanta these days are just kind of a byword for an entertaining afternoon, aren't they? So oh, yeah. It's, it's a great choice. <laughs> I quite like the look of, it's the final game in the Serie A this weekend on Sunday night, um, Napoli's trip to Sassuolo. Yes. Chiefly because Napoli just can't buy a win at the moment and, <laughs> and you think any manager who, I mean, I think they've won the league since the middle of October mm. and any manager you think who would come in there and give them a real sort of new manager bounce, if you like, I don't know if that's a thing in Italy, but he's kind of a motivational type guy got so... Um, You'd think it would be Gennaro Cattuso but it hasn't worked so far and Sassuolo traditionally in this current spell they've had in the in Serie A it's been a, quite a difficult place to go and get a result isn't it? Yeah, Sassuolo
3: quite a good form themselves. they got a point uh, against Juventus in Turin uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago which allowed Inter to go temporarily kind of top of the table um, and they beat Brescia in the game that they had in hand last night and that was a
5: way as well wasn't it?
3: Yep, yeah. and they've got A player who was ex-Chelsea, Jeremy Boga, who is by far and away the best dribbler in Serie A. Boga's done really well.
5: Where is he on the Adama Traore scale?
3: Well, he, he's definitely a different build. Um, to, okay. to, to, to <laughs> well, most Triore. people are. Most he's, people are. He's, yeah. he's yeah. a little bit more lithe yeah. um, than uh, than um, Triore, but he's been really exciting to watch as has Berardi, who was once upon a time the big talent in Serie mm. A, and for whatever reason, the last two years, injuries and changes of manager it hasn't worked. But he looks the business this season under Dizebi.
5: Great. It's ten thirty. The pub's probably now open, so let's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Join me and Jonathan Wilson every Saturday on Football Ramble Daily for new episodes of Greatest Games in association with the Blizzard magazine. The Best of the Blizzard is available now. A perfect Christmas gift, I think so! 23 of our favourite pieces from the first five years of the Blizzard for you, friends
1: and loved ones. Everything from Socrates and Scotland to St Pauli and football smoking culture. Head to the shop now to buy the Best of the Blizzard at theblizzard.co.uk